Good evening, all. Welcome back to Birds of a Feather. This is your girl, AJ, the Suburban Princess here. Happy preseason. We have officially started to kick off some football action tonight as I'm watching uh, a little bit on the corner here on the TV. Uh, They're kicking off the Hall of Fame game with the uh, Cleveland Browns versus the Jets. Um, boo, Rondé Barber. Um, whatever. Congratulations. But anyway, um, a lot of the players that were inducted were shown, obviously, before the game. And I had a whole spiel that I was going to talk about that had nothing to do with this game. I was just more excited that it was just the start of football season, um, even if it doesn't count. But I got distracted because DeMarcus Ware from the Cowboys, um, inductee, uh, decided... I guess his bucket list was to sing the national anthem. And it wasn't that it was, it wasn't horrible. It was just, I was confused. Like, I was just like, why is he doing this? Cause it, it wasn't even strong. It was just like, I felt like it's like something you do when you just want to show like your son or your daughter, like it's okay. It's fun. Look, watch daddy can do this, you know? And and just the concentration and the hand through the whole time, like he had some kind of a key change and he didn't. And I just was like, why? If that doesn't make me wish my Eagles to the Super Bowl in Vegas back again, any more hard than seeing a former Cowboy do something like that on the first game of the season. <laughs> of the non-regular season, but preseason, but still, I clearly assume that he doesn't think anybody was watching it. So that's why it was cool to do that. But I, mm, Jesus. Anyway. All right. So welcome to Birds of Feather, uh, season three. Um, going solo dolo for tonight, just because I had a random desire to want to re-record since I had zero energy last time during our COVID uh, edition. And me and Ed will be back uh, when we can find a, a good day. This weekend's going to be kind of busy for me. We're both going to the uh, open practice on Sunday. So most likely I'll get a clip or two in and then we can do a final pod uh, before the Eagles first preseason preseason game um, in. But the point is this whole podcast was originally just going to be stuff off the top of my head that I've been kind of keeping inside until I've had the energy to feel like wanting to pod. I haven't really been in a pod mood. I haven't put any pods out since, honestly, since me and Eddie recorded. Other than that, I've been focusing on five questions. I'm trying to get the link up together. It's kind of hard to get everybody uh, to agree to the same night and time and stuff. And I'm always trying to get people randomly that I think would make a good mix. And sometimes it's just not easy. Not everybody has the time or even feels like sitting and answering questions all the time as much as they did um, during uh, lockdown because we weren't going anywhere. So it's a little harder now, but at the same time, I, I do hope that the link up uh, will build back up again and we can get some more random personalities to just sit and chat. Maybe I can get some of my Discord Discord from uh, See The Thing Is uh, Patreon groups to mix up and, and do a night and just throw questions, which should be probably really fun. Um, but I just got to get everybody on the same time zone and, and you know, some people got kids, but I digress. The point is birds of a feather. We're celebrating another season. Um, happy our birds will be a hot subject again soon. Um, I think that definitely, that was a, definitely a good throw there with uh, the jets. I don't know. Was that a, who was behind, who's quarterbacking? I'm distracted. Sorry. Um, Wilson. Oh, Kendall. 
Zach Wilson threw a nice deep pass. Very good for him. All right. Anyway, um, so obviously uh, the news with the Jets, obviously, is Aaron Rodgers being on the team. They obviously weren't going to start him preseason. It just makes sense to not put any veterans out there right away, especially not the first game of the week. Um, hopefully we'll see some Jalen Hurts action in the first preseason game the Eagles play um, on August. I think it's 12th, 11th. I'll look it up. But the point is, it's a it's a good time to want to usher in football when it seems like such a long off season. And um, as us people know who are on Twitter, also known now as X, um, we have been awaiting some decent news about training camp. And so far it's been quiet, but it's a good quiet because we don't want to hear any negative stuff. So far, it looks like uh, DeAndre Swift is definitely going to be someone to look out for in different running back packages. Um, who knows, he may play as a wide receiver at times. I feel like he's going to definitely want to use the last years of his uh, football uh, career to be in his hometown and look good. So as long as he's a ball control person and not a, not a, a fumble person too much, I'm fine with it. Um, I think he pretty much ran uh, over um, our defense a little bit when, when the Eagles played him last year. But at the same time, obviously they won that game convincingly. But um, I do think there were a couple runs that DeAndre made that I think I remember even watching that game thinking, first it was the first game of the year, but it was also just exciting to watch him and think, if I knew this kid was from Philly a long time ago, I would have said, just like Slay, we should have got him a while ago too. But you know, things seem to only work out for now. So things happen for a reason. Um, and he's here and Miles Sanders is not. He's now in Carolina Panthers, which I'm sure is basically a little heartbreaking for him and for those who really like watching Miles. But clearly them not using him a lot in the Super Bowl was an indication that, um, well, he fumbled, apparently. I don't remember when he fumbled. But the fact that he even was um, a liability during the Super Bowl um, just shows that if Kenny Gainwell was taking more snaps than him during the Super Bowl is exactly the reason why they didn't extend him. I think I, I've made known in past pods that I didn't think Miles was going to stay. Um, I think for his own growth, it was probably better for him to go somewhere else anyway. I don't think that he's been consistent enough for them to trust him with the ball. And I think that also in the first couple of years he was playing, he was probably his best, but he also had nagging hamstring injuries, ankle injuries. You know, he was always having to be taken out, you know, in the middle of the game. So he had some great games last year. Um, last season was definitely um, a warm up to whatever he can bring to Carolina, but there's nothing worse than someone who's, you know, he's a local, he's from Harris. I think he is from Harrisburg. Um, but just like Shady, when Shady was traded on um, stupidly in that year, um, you realize sometimes you can end up talking yourself out of the city or you can you can quickly get relocated when they gave you 20,000 chances to improve and be consistent. And you just couldn't always hold your end of the bargain. But the difference between the past couple of years where he wasn't really um, on the field a lot and, and the last year was that the last year he was always on the field and he was definitely taking care of himself better. But I also think that in key moments, he still became kind of invisible and Kenny Gainwell actually had a slower 2022 but I think that when it when it mattered he did show up and I think it definitely was an indication that they were going to continue trusting him more once he was in the Super Bowl a lot more than uh, Miles was so 
and you barely remember either or running backs during that game because most of that game was mostly about obviously Jalen and when Jalen fumbled and when he redeemed himself and pretty much brought them back within the tie. So, but as we've known, the subject has been this season about an off season about how running backs are being ignored in the salary department. Um, which is a shame because they use so much of their bodies to get the offense going. And you would think the guys that do get dinged up a lot will be considered a lot more for, you know, like a big salary break because, you know, if I'm using my body the way I do all the time and it's, and it's getting the team ahead, then why wouldn't I demand a high pay raise? But the NFL is funny. And when trends start developing in, in offense plans and, and strategies and, schemes and you notice that the running back is an asset but the quarterback will always have uh the preference for the for the wide receivers to uh make the offense relevant so now it seems like more with more running backs out there and black and white um it just seems like the game has changed and the running backs are no longer valued as much as the wide receiver and the quarterback relationship which I, I do think is bullshit. I, I think the running backs are horses, which means to me they should be um, honorary uh, to the game and paid as such. And I'm losing power, so I will have to cut this out. I have to put my plug in. Hold on. All right. And we're back. But so, yeah, so the story of the running back became kind of a hot topic in the offseason, especially when a lot of running backs um, decided to public. Well, it became known that once Saquon Barkley wasn't given um, his. Uh, his extension and um, it seemed like at one point he wasn't going to show up to training camp, which he did anyway. Um uh, it was rumored that a lot of running backs decided to kind of get on a Zoom and discuss how they feel like they should be treated. And obviously not every single running back joined in on that. Um, that's the problem when a lot of things of that nature kind of come out. Usually when players decide to kind of do something on their own, it doesn't come out until after the fact. So the fact that that was even put out there just showed that it was kind of a a weak attempt at trying to... Um, First of all, that was like a foreign number. I haven't seen that number that long since my sister lived in Italy. Telemarketers are getting very brave now. They're calling it the weirdest times at night. Anyway, um, so my thought was when Saquon decided to do that and kind of join in, and at one point it seemed like he was going to be one of those, you know, disgruntled players for the uh, upcoming training camp. And honestly didn't last long and it seemed like nothing really was going to come of it and a lot of players ended up kind of not coming to any real big decision because they didn't really have that kind of uh, clout again which seems wrong because they seem to be the workhorses of the offense um and not saying not every other position is important but um do we have a fumble i think there's a fumble yeah yep 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 a turnover i think on the browns yeah um so the the bottom line is just that it's a shameful thing to want to shortchange any kind of running back. But then again, every 
running back, depending on their team, is paid accordingly. I mean, obviously the big stories were Saquon and Austin Eckler from the Chargers because they were wait were sitting out. And I guess with the new CBA deal, sometimes it just doesn't warrant players to really afford to sit out without just agreeing to a franchise tag. I mean, that can seem to be the hot write-up on all the think pieces in the offseason was that, you know, is the new CBA helping players or hurting them? And some players may look at it like, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. And as long as I stay healthy during a regular season, I'm guaranteed to make some more money, at least some, but I'm not a quarterback. I'm not a wide receiver, you know? So I think a majority of running backs, whether they're disgruntled or not, um, some can take it with a grain of salt and then some players are just going to just suck it up like Saquon ended up doing and just getting his franchise tag for the year um I think for him especially being on the Giants had he not have had his injuries in prior seasons even before they even had a decent um postseason um the Giants really haven't been relevant enough for them to probably even feel like they warrant um an extension for him because it hasn't helped the team obviously get to a new level. I mean, granted, they kept dying and coming to life at the weirdest times last season, but obviously the Eagles took care of them three times in a row. So they haven't really gotten over that hump yet. So obviously if the team felt like the most important part of their offense is Daniel Jones, then they're going to reward Daniel Jones. Now, mind you, Daniel Jones is not that great of a quarterback, but he stepped up more than he had in a while since he'd started becoming the quarterback. And Eli Manning, he is not. But I think he has made enough strides to give them confidence that with the right uh, coaching and with the right offense, and if their offensive line needs help and they drafted people, um, which, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't pay attention to any other teams but my birds. But the point is sometimes you can understand why that happens. Sometimes these guys just have to grin and bear it. Because at some point, you're going to have to just look at your salary and say, well, I can write it out and then decide to go to another team by the time I get, you know, free agency. Or I can just suck it up until they decide to, well, all right, we'll give you something because you've been a good sport. Um, it sucks either way, because um, as far as the Eagles, like I said before, um, I never thought that Miles Sanders was going to last long here. Um, I really never thought he was consistent enough as a running back. Um, and I think that that immature side of him came out a lot on social media where I think he finally started to button that up last year, because I think it just, especially after watching what was kind of happening to Jalen Rieger, I think that maybe he might've picked up on that and kind of cut that interaction um, in half. Um, and I also just think that sometimes some guys are just too embarrassed to admit that they may or may not be a liability at times to the offense. And if they're not consistent, which I'm sure he was aware and cleaned up most of it last year, it seemed like, but he still still had an issue with something. If it wasn't an injury, it was the fumble. And that's why the Super Bowl, he wasn't as um, present as Kenny Gainwell was. So, but again, the whole point of this spiel was just to say that the running backs will always kind of be the last to know when it comes to uh, salary extensions and what they actually deserve. Um, but if we have to break it down for any position in any sport or any organized um, corporation, they're always going to find an excuse to shortchange someone um, because especially with the economy, the way it is now, whether they're lying and saying inflation is going down, 
I think that there's still always going to be a reason for the big guys to decide truly who deserves the money or not. They look at it like some of these some of these NFL owners just look at it like you're getting paid period, just be happy, you know? And, but a lot of the players too kind of don't really have enough leverage if they've been injury prone throughout those years. And mind you, if they had a really decent, good, a decent uh, appearance in a postseason game, um, if it didn't take you further than that, then you really don't have a reason or a case for them to still give you an extension, you know? Um, and that goes across the board. I think that every team has to re-examine themselves when they've just like an NBA with our Sixers, you know, if they end up going and losing at the same point and in time, like in the playoffs, then you have to realize it's, it's definitely the team, <laughs> you know, something is not clearly getting them over the hump. And so it, it definitely is just not one player sometimes with teams. Speaking of my Eagles, Let's just say it's going to be a very, not boring, but solid training camp because there hasn't been really any gossip. There hasn't been much to talk about, which is good because they've been focused. Um, I think no news is good news in this sense because if it's not anyone being majorly injured, then it's players deciding to fully develop and build on what they did or didn't do that could have won that Super Bowl. You know, I think we're more keeping our eyes on what the defense looks like. I think we're definitely looking at DeAndre Swift. I think we're definitely paying attention to how Jalen Hurts looks as far as what more can he grow as far as his form and his preparation and, you know, how he closes out games this year. You know, will he run less? Will he mix it up, throw from the pocket even more? Um, will he be mindful of his shoulder? You know, um, I know that they said he had a little minor ankle cleanup injury from either the past year or from an old college injury. Um, but I think they actually even said, I think John Clark mentioned both ankles. So maybe he's had both ankles cleaned up, but his shoulder hasn't seemed to be any kind of a topic. So clearly that might've just been a sprain, which is why he didn't get surgery at all for it. Um, and if he did, Forgive me. I don't remember. But at this point, I think we just want to see the offense continue to be what they did last year. Maybe try some new things, maybe some new schemes they can actually inject in there. Maybe um, maybe with uh, the mix up in the running back group, they can, and you know, switch up on um, punt returns. They can switch up on who they use for certain for certain defenses and who they don't use. And maybe they can even mix it up where some of them may even, might even play like a fourth or fifth running uh, wide receiver uh, for a game, maybe for like the fourth quarter. Um, because I think what it sounds like Sirianni's motivated even more so now is to promote finishing and polishing up loose ends and not making the same mistakes. And I think that's a great message for him to just, say it's got to be perfect because we know it's never going to be, but if he puts it in their mind now, then they know there is no reason to be chill or to laugh off something that caused you to lose a game this year, especially after the Super Bowl loss and the way they did lose. It's just such a, it's such a slap in the face knowing that they literally were like a play away from taking that baby. And so I think everything now is going to be under a microscope. And I think Sirianni has every reason to be 
totally um, micromanaging the defense as well as the offense. Um, now with Sean Desai as the new coordinator, we get to see if his scheme makes sense. Mind you, anything that's um, new with us coordinators as it was when Gannon was here, it took a while for us fans to really trust that anything was really different or working. So as much as they hyped up Sean Desai as well, you just hope that his mentality will show uh, within, like, guess, usually they say within the like first six games, you start kind of noticing. Um, I just pray that any of the new guys that are going to be in the defense now um, are nothing but assets and not liabilities to the guys that have been there. Um, you know, we're down um, a few guys that have now gone on. Uh, actually, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, went to the 49ers. So we're going to see him in November. Um, one of the defensive and of course is leaving me and I'm sure you're screaming at me in the screen like, hello, how do you not, how do you forget him? But it'll come to me. And if not, you know who I'm talking about, but knowing that he's on the enemy team that we were hoping this game was going to be a lot sooner, but they're making us wait till like November to beat their asses again. But um, hopefully it'll be a fair fight, at least according to them. <laughs> um, but honestly, the opening game being against the Patriots not sexy, but Mac Jones is talking all that shit now. Like he's, he's got a whole new mentality and all this other stuff. I mean, he sounds like he's saying the same stuff, but we'll see. I mean, cause at this point, you know, rumors are already coming at Belichick, the great Belichick as if he's on his last leg coaching, but we'll see. Cause trying to stir up that whole thing between him and um, him and the owner is kind of ridiculous because you know, they just do things different up there. And I just don't feel like guys with a lot of money, especially in a lot of <laughs> Super Bowl rings, really feel like they need to switch it up too much if it's worked for them in the past. But yeah, the last three years, minus Tom Brady now officially, it's going to have a different look for the Patriots. You know, um, they tried new things. They had Cam Newton there. So I, I just feel like at this point, if, if Mac Jones can get on um, a consistent page. It might actually be a very interesting game. Um, you know, he's a little sassy thing, but I also do think that it'll give the Eagles a chance to challenge themselves because I think as the fans, we're looking at this game like this is going to be a wash. It's going to be an easy win. But we also don't realize if they haven't seen a team outside of preseason for the regular season, you know, there may be things, maybe looks that they don't, they've never seen before because they've never had to practice them against this team. So, but again, you would hope that at this point, like I said, if Sirianni has truly been obsessed with watching the Super Bowl over and over again, you would think he would look at every um, opportunity to make sure that, that the Patriots don't play him, you know, in their first game and their first game is in New England. So it's not like they're going to be home. Um, and then the second game is the Vikings. So the Vikings game last year was really exciting because that was pretty much where everybody, I think, saw the growth in Jalen Hurts and his determination to get in the end zone more than once himself. And um, and every game against the Vikings usually ends up being kind of a fiery game at some point, whether or not Eagles are ahead or the Vikings are ahead. Usually the game ends up kind of popping off pretty, pretty good. So the first home game being the Vikings is not bad. 
But let's be realistic. The schedule doesn't really get good until like the middle. Um, I think they play they play the Cowboys uh, before the bye. So that'll be the first smell of like kind of like a, a good rivalry game. They were smart to push the Giants back for like towards the the last couple of games um, for both games. So that's good. Um, but a good Dallas match before the uh, the bye week, which is I think week 10 this year. So they got plenty of time to test out <clears throat> a lot of these matchups to the point where they can feel confident that they're all on the same page. Um, looking at the schedule now. So yeah, week 10 is the bye. Yep. And they, they play Dallas, the, the 425 game at home before, and then they play the Kansas city chiefs right after the bye. So back to back games that could really test uh, not only their focus, their physicality, but whether or not they still got that, got that dog by that time. Cause the chiefs are going to really sock it to them knowing that, um, the Eagles gave him a scare in the Super Bowl and they almost they almost took it from him. So um, but there's a lot of games this season that I'm kind of interested. The Rams game is definitely interesting only because the Rams seem so disjointed right now. So that could be a nice win, but it could also, I don't know, it could also sneak up on them and be a loss. And then they play the Jets, and this will most likely be with Aaron Rodgers. And it's a different scheme. Uh, the Jets play faster. Um, even when the, I think that was the game where, um, I think where the backup played Garner, I think played that Jets game and they played that game very fast, but they ended up playing very well against them. So, but the Jets, the Jets had every opportunity to lose that game, obviously, but I think that they, they play very fast. They play kind of to me like the commanders do where they play really fast, even if they're not doing a whole bunch of anything but they do play their wide receivers play pretty fast. So the Dolphins game might be interesting because obviously Tua and uh, Jalen have that, uh, that bond from college. So that game will just be interesting for the arms. That's definitely going to be an arm throwing game. So, and that being kind of like right in the middle of October, that's going to be probably a good um, football atmosphere. Um, and it's home. So they're not in Miami. So, yeah, so that game will be interesting. Uh, week three, they play Tampa, and I'm debating if that's going to be the game where I decide to pay a visit to my my dear old dad um, and also see if I can watch the game, either, even if I watch it with him or go to the game, um, make it worth my while while I'm there. But I'm thinking that might be my destination just for personal preference. Um, it'll also be after my birthday, but... Um, it might be the only destination game I go to if I, if I do feel like going somewhere. Um, realistically, if I was to go to any of these away games, um, I, I, I would go to LA. I wouldn't mind LA or even going, or even going to a Dallas game. Um, I know I was watching the fourth and John guys talk about that. And I said, I, I thought about Dallas because if I go to Dallas, then I could see my cousin. I could probably stay with her and, uh, it would just be very weird to be in enemy territory, but I am kind of curious about how obscenely huge that um, stadium is and uh, how devoted those those crazy fans are. So, yeah, I mean, there's not many games to me that are <clears throat> honestly travel worthy, um, especially with prices these days and how flimsy the airport has been. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, every good game is actually home this year. So San Francisco is coming here in on December 3rd. God, I said November, so it's December 3rd. So yeah, so all the good games are going to be home this year, which is great for us. Um, we don't have to go anywhere that seems like a real fun game. Um, so yeah, and you know, I've never been curious about going to New England at all. Um, I heard Boston's nice, but uh, it's not something I would want to do. Kansas City sounds interesting just for the barbecue, but that's about it. I don't, I mean, my sister lived in Missouri briefly when her husband was stationed there. Um, nothing to write home about, but the barbecue sounds like it would be good. Um, so that would be a very quick visit. Um, a lot of these games too are like late afternoons or, or 8 p.m. So that's good. I like a lot of these games, like the, the Tampa game is 7.15. Interesting. Um, there's only like one one o'clock game, which is fine because I know when I worked, I hated working one o'clock games because there's a lot of time you kill because you have to get there so early because we have to sell to telegators and we have to sell to people who are inside the venue, you know, after the gates open. And I hated one o'clock games. I preferred four o'clock because I felt like I had more time to be up, you know, and we only had to be there at like one o'clock. So but yeah, one o'clock games are usually kind of snooze fest, but it's also a commander's game. So they'll they'll be in Washington that day. And that wouldn't be a bad game to go to, but I that stadium, I've heard so many bad things about it. And it seems like they just are determined to keep them there. Although the rumor is I think part of these renovations of this team and this whole organization now that Snyder's finally gone and they sold the team um, to our guy from the Sixers. Why? I don't understand. But anyway, whatever. Business is business. Um, but that would seem like a fun weekend to go there just because DC is awesome. And but I, I hate that stadium though. I it just seems like it's it's crap and not worth a trip. I wouldn't even mind going to a Giants game. Now mind you, by the time Giants they play the Giants, it's literally Christmas and or um it says T TBD because it's like technically week 18. So I guess it, at that point, it depends on their positioning in the playoffs and and what berth they have. Um, most likely they'll be coming back here. Um, but we'll see. Either way, the point is the season's going to be, it's going to have its ups and downs. But I think the difference with this season and last season, and obviously I can't predict anything, but the thing with last season was that you felt like you had to take it one game at a time, which obviously is going to still be their mentality. But as for fans, we're expecting nothing but the best from them now. But realistically, I know that there's always, like they say, the hangover from a Super Bowl year. Um, usually your emotions are so high that you kind of almost can't get your your physical body to match your mind because you're you're so hype and disjointed from expecting um to play your best that you kind of psych yourself out sort of like switching to the Phillies real quick, what Trey Turner is doing to himself right now. We are literally watching a man have a mental meltdown while he's playing for a team that he's going to be signed to for 13 years, just like Bryce Harper. So just digressing that that shit is real. So I think that the reality that you can psych yourself out of playing well, it can happen. So I'm just, I think the only reason why, too, a lot of people who are trying to jump on the Eagles train once again, because they know that usually this postseason Super Bowl year, just like 2018 was for the actual 
a winning team went. Um, even if they, we know they're going to make the playoffs, there's still the feeling that they may not play as crisp as they did last year, which is why I think it's important that we hear Sirianni talking about how he's stressing details, how he's stressing perfection. But I think what he's also realizing too is that saying saying perfection to guys that are probably already beating themselves up about what didn't go right during that, that uh, Super Bowl game can backfire, but if you think it too hard, it can. I think the thing that I love about this team already is that you can tell these guys are allowing themselves to have fun. And I think that even when it comes to game day, I think that it's so good that they have personalities like Jordan Melata, Lane Johnson, um, Slay, you know, all the guys that are definitely keeping it light um, and have been there, done that so much that it's just another game. But for the veterans, I think the only pressure is on them to find new ways to keep themselves healthy because it's very easy for them, obviously, to push it to their limit because they've their body has already been through so many years of trauma in this game, like Kelsey. So there's so many guys that have been there before, but ment mentally can check out once they feel like they, all right, so we got this game, you know, or this game seems easy. And then they get, they play the game and suddenly everybody's forgetting where they're supposed to be, false start, false start. So we just want to make sure that any of those like moments, if they have to happen during the Patriots game, so be it. Like I said, I don't think a week one is sexy to begin with. So if they play a little sloppy and a little disconnected, it's understandable because it'll be real time. They probably won't play together during preseason that much. So I expect week one to be a little rusty and I don't expect it to be like this easy win. Honestly, every game to me is a possibility of a loss. And I'm only saying that because we can't assume that when they inject new players that obviously will uh, have to have to gel with the offense and the defense, you have to consider the fact that some of these teams think they know the Eagles, but they haven't seen them with these new additions. So, and once you get things on tape, you know, a lot of players kind of know how to scheme Jalen. Now they know how to trap him when he finds a lane. Um, you know, as many people were trying to stink on the fact that they were doing that, you know, what did they call it? The tush push or whatever uh, play where Peter King was annoyed about how he thinks it looks like rugby and not football. And I'm like, well, we got a guy who's a rugby player and he's now on our team. So if that's the way we got to play, that's the way we got to play. And I personally am glad that that didn't get voted out in the off season because you're just being a hater. If you have a problem with it, if you know how to stop them, stop them, but no one has yet. And I'm sure that they're not going to do it as often because it's predictable now and it became a hot topic, but if they do do it, if you still can't stop them, that is your fault, not the Eagles. So, and I think that speaking of Peter King, the interview he just did with Jalen, Jalen kind of put it out there in a nice slick way as he would, that he's trying to unlearn uh, the stereotypes that are out there about black QBs, especially himself since he came um, from Oklahoma and Alabama. Um, I think that the fact that he he has that quote now out there, letting people know that he's aware that they think that guys like him aren't intelligent and can't stomach a defense or read a defense and operate an offense. 
I think that he's the fact that he's making a point to squash that narrative, I think was very important for him to inject in that last parts of that interview with Peter King, because I'm sure he's aware that Peter King and a lot of these, you know, old school media journalist types always think they've seen every type of black quarterback at this point in their lives. And every generation is different. And I honestly, they're showing Sean Watson. He looks like really thin. I mean, you have to consider too, even watching this game with someone like Deshaun Watson still playing, knowing that he pretty much has no reason to be playing football at this point in his life. Um, he's pretty much put himself in a very questionable moral dilemma with all the allegations and whether or not the hush money works, um, he has forever stained his reputation. The fact that he's even playing, um, <laughs> and I'll just pull it out there now again one more time, Kaepernick isn't. Um, it just shows you how the NFL can change their opinion about quarterbacks on a dime, whether black or white. But going back to what Peter King was saying, it's just that they've come from a line of quarterbacks where there were only maybe one, Dove Williams, who's won a Super Bowl. And since then, you've just had a lot of guys. Well, no, Russell Wilson, obviously. Um, there have been a lot of quarterbacks who have threatened winning uh, Super Bowls, but just haven't finished. You know, the, obviously the first time us Eagle fans got our Super Bowl was with Nick Foles, and he wasn't even a starting quarterback. So good black QBs come a dime a dozen. I'm still waiting for Lamar to get his Super Bowl as well. Um, it's going to be a lot tougher now because he's he's taking a lot of time off to try to heal himself as well as get finally get paid. And then also you have to consider a lot of Lamar's game has had to be modified as well because he's a runner as well. But I think the difference, what people don't want to give him credit for is that he did, even before his last injury, develop a way to run and pass in the pocket as well. The problem is his O-line has made him have to uh, uh, scram a lot. I mean, uh, not scrimmage. What is the word? He's had to, he's had to run a lot because scramble. He's had to scramble a lot because the O-line has not held very well. And a lot of his O-line were constantly injured um, the last couple of years. But this is a brother who started out ending up being an MVP after he got subbed in for Joe Flacco. So a lot of people don't want to give Lamar his credit because they expected him to get the Super Bowl the same year he got the MVP. And it doesn't always work that way. You know, going back to the Sixers one more time, Embiid finally got MVP. They lost again in the second round. So sometimes to put all those things together is not easy. And there's just too much competition, sometimes even just dumb luck when it comes to the playoffs. Some guys just happen to just be one um, kicker's kick away from getting into the playoffs when they had no signs of life for the regular season. And, you know, with now them adding extra week and stuff, it just gives some other teams time to kind of regenerate in those last like, couple of major weeks in the regular season that matter to them that wouldn't matter to any other team that's already got a berth. So... You have to consider a lot of things with football aren't just about the quarterback. Sometimes it is totally about the total team mentality, the everybody on the same damn page and the coach understanding his players and when he has to switch up the scheme. Because the one thing that was frustrating about the Eagles when Wentz was here was that clearly there was a disconnect between the coach and Wentz a lot. And I don't think it mattered, obviously, that Super Bowl year because he was in a zone and things were just working. Um, a lot of that, too, was because, and I will die on this hill, 
was because the coaches that were on that staff at that time were able to dig into Wentz's stubborn mentality and get him to change up his technique. Because his technique and the way that he stood and the way he went decided to let the ball loose was really part of the problem, you know, and he had no pocket awareness. So all that stuff that people knocked him about was straightened out for that one year. And hence, had he not had that injury, he would have totally walked into a postseason as an MVP. And he's been close even a little afterwards, but again, an injury. So, and now with Wentz already blown through two teams and been totally uh, regressing, he's nowhere to be found right now. So it goes to show you how sometimes being a developmental coach and listening to your coach and taking in direction, you have to have a perfect mix for that. You know, Nick Foles had to get cut from the team, traded from the team, come back, be a backup in order for him to get a Super Bowl. So if that isn't the act of humility, I don't know what else will. So a lot of guys that they still want to be in this game where you see all these guys coming back as third stringer and second stringer, you kind of get to get over your ego and just eat what you can, whatever is put on your plate, and then just eat until you get the main course. Because it's just not going to work your way. You're just not going to get a fat contract and expect everything to just work. That fat contract can disappear as soon as you choke in the playoffs. So you can't, you can't just use past success as a crutch anymore is basically what I'm trying to say. In any of these organized sports, they will forget you as soon as they have lifted you up. Because if you're not delivering after they give you that money, that's any excuse for the owners and, the, and, and those organizations to decide to be like, mm, we were wrong. You know, case in port, a, a, NBA, Jordan Poole, how fast did that boy fall from grace after winning with this, uh, the Warriors the previous season? And now he's on, what team is he on? I don't even know what team he went to. I just totally forgot. It's not Timberwolves, Clippers. Again, somebody's yelling at the screen like, idiot. But the point is he's not a warrior anymore. And that's why, because he froze when it was tantamount for them to go back and get another ring you know and i think that the obvious feeling knowing that that boy was the season prior the golden child the splash brother the third one um it just seemed like he could do no wrong and so a lot of things had to be re-examined everybody thought Draymond was going to go to another team and it ended up being jordan so you know we can knock it down a peg as fast as we put you up on that pedestal, you know, and that's just life as an organized profession an organized profession as a professional player. So you don't take anything for granted. A lot of the speak that you hear a lot of teams say is true. Um, every day is a blessing. Every day you learn something different. Every day you have every reason to take care of your body from the A to the Z, because within one minute, you could be in a post a preseason, break your leg, and you're out for the season. So you have to consider every little part of every thing you do as a professional uh, player has value, whether or not you're the star or not. And when you coast and you get comfortable, and then a lot of the team starts going into autopilot, and then they kind of just decide, oh, we got this. We don't have to work as hard. The complacency thing that can totally bring you back down, humble you and bring you back to life. 
Um, as much as I always say that the Eagles weren't the same in 2018, yeah, they did go to the playoffs, but they, to me, they didn't have the same fire. They started off that season really awkward, you know, and it just seemed like they didn't even know how to play that first game um, a year after the, a um, couple months after the Super Bowl went. So, and it just shows you how too, how easy it is for people on the outside, national pundits alike can all sit there and say, this is why Philly is not good at when they win something, they don't know how to handle it. And I was sick of hearing that narrative as that statement made as well, because it seemed like it worked. It, it was true after a while, because you kept seeing every team literally for every genre we have here, get to the mountaintop, but then slide right back down. So when we did have success with the Super Bowl win, I think there was a slight worry that the team would kind of forget how hard it took to get, how hard they had to work to get there and how to keep that mojo. Because the following season, to me, I mean, I could go back and, you know, re-examine some games, but I just didn't myself don't remember that chemistry being the same after that win. And which is naturally going to happen, but I think the thing I'm liking already about the little tidbits I've heard from interviews, because obviously it's only been like less than a week of training camp. I think that Sirianni's trying to plug it in like a broken record that you don't want to make the same mistakes you did last year. You know, um, you have to find a new way to win. You have to find a new way to be better. You have to find new ways to improve, you know, and I think because luckily we have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts that's a coach's kid. He hears his father's um, instructions in his head out of habit before he even hears his coaches, which is why it's funny that with Sirianni, I feel like even Sirianni is becoming a better coach because of Hurts, because I think he sees Hurts' consistency and his drive. And I think it puts any kind of any lack of confidence he might have had from his first year as a coach that obviously we fans gave him tons of shit as well and deserved because they weren't that great. But he was new to the game. And I think a lot of things obviously changed when Wentz uh, was traded. But I think the stoicism that Hurts always displays, clearly in his genes from his father, but also because of the time it took for him to even get to a point where he could feel confident in his play, whether or not people in Alabama or Oklahoma really liked him or supported him as far as fans or whatever. Um, I didn't follow him then clearly, but I think that even I had my doubts about him when he got here, because I still was trying to get over the fact that why was Wentz even leaving? Like, why didn't he give it another shot? I was more let down by that than worrying about whether Hertz could be a good quarterback. I think I didn't, I actually started to see it even before 2021 I felt like even 2020 when he subbed it when he took over for that Saints game which they just um which I just happened to see the replay on YouTube I realized that's when I knew that Hurts had something when that whole offense seemed to work like clockwork and at that point he was he was quarterback number two it's like and I think even during the Packers game um that was clearly all Hurts so I think that now anybody that doubts him is merely just basing it on history, basing it on any dynamic black quarterback that has shined for a while and then found a way to lose it. And so that kind of, which unfortunately is kind of almost like how black men are viewed in life. I feel like always assuming that they're all this bravado, but no delivery. And that 
looking down on black men to me is another reason to make someone like Hertz uh, more motivated to succeed more than ever. Um, you know, not every black quarterback may stomach an offense or read a defense the same way. Um, I know that was a criticism on Vic when he was here, but I just also think you have to really coach consistency in quarterbacks as well. I mean, uh, what's his name? Josh from uh, Buffalo Bills. He's seemingly having a meltdown himself mentally with his whole um, scheme and how he works because what was not, what was working for him two years prior before they had a playoff uh, playoff appearance is not working now. And obviously the rumors between him and his wide receiver digs were starting to become uh, louder. I think that what people realized was that not only does Josh become a running quarterback at times, he used it so much as a crutch last year that I think he kind of even outran Hertz for a, a couple of times. Um, and I don't think people wanted to focus on that because they're just so hell bent on saying only black quarterbacks run. But if you've seen him run, you know, if you've seen even Mac Jones, Tom Brady even attempted a little bit of a run before he uh, retired. Um, it's not a new concept to, to the game of football. It's just, it's more prevalent now because of the way offenses are schemed and set up and the way the defense plays. So I honestly feel like it's nothing towards Hertz to me should even apply at this point once he got through a whole year and made it to the Super Bowl in his third season. So him starting his fourth year already now should make everybody realize like it was all worth it. It was all worth it for his ups and downs, for his having to be benched in, in college, to him having to go to another school, you know, for all the haters and all the people who just thought he was just flash in the pan, couldn't throw deep, all that stuff. Eventually he found ways to tune it out and just, perfect his game and he's still harboring a lot of you know um hurt probably from past criticisms but I also think he's very good at not repeating it because I think the 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 worst thing you can do and, and I'm sure I've heard this growing up with my confidence issues when I was younger and even sometimes today you can't keep replaying your mistakes and you also can't keep giving the spiritual from the Bible, but giving the devil a foothold. Because basically if you're acknowledging your haters and you're always acknowledging the things that people say and you have that chip on your shoulder, it just becomes something to banter with for the media to use against you every time you have a bad game. I mean, right now what we're seeing is Phillies fans were watching Trey Turner pretty much turn into what um, Castellanos was last year. And it's become a shell of himself as a player. Like, it's almost like, what mechanics are you doing that are not working? And why do you continue to do them if it's not helping you? Going back to the Eagles when Wentz was here, whatever worked for him for 2017, he totally disabled years prior, years afterwards. And that's, to me, what made his level of play become so ugly. And whatever he wasn't allowing himself to... Um, you know, stomach and channel and, and reprocess, it was clearly something he wasn't comfortable with. But him not seeing that it wasn't helping him is where the problem lies. So if Trey Turner is another uh, Phillies player that decides, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to keep playing the same way I'm playing until it works, 
you're not learning from your coach. Now, mind you, I don't know if Rob Thompson is telling him this. You know, we all just think maybe he's just looking at Trey and say, just keep trying. When he should be getting the criticism, like you have to change something. Whatever was working for you at your old team is not working here now. Whatever worked for you in the World Baseball Classic, bring that here. And it could just be a simple thing of changing your stance, how you're holding a bat, how you're turning your hips, all that stuff. Like, I didn't know any of that mattered in baseball, but now apparently it does. You know, apparently Bryce Harper took that to heart as well. Um, but going back to the Eagles, every game this season to me is going to be an indication of whether or not they have truly stomached why getting better after a post-Super Bowl is even more important now than ever. Because you do not want to fall into that whole... And granted, you know, they know how Philadelphia is too. We're super superstitious with this. And we all are expecting failure at some point because that's just how we are. But we also know that it would be really cool if they decide to prove us wrong every single game, even if they lose a few games. I mean, hell, I'm going to go back to thinking maybe 13 and four this year. You know, I'm going to say it, 13 and four, because I feel like they have a good enough uh, handle on most of the teams they've played already. Um, with a few that they're probably going to have to kind of learn on the spot. Um, not every scheme is going to be easy to, to learn from when maybe those teams have switched quarterbacks and, and switched coordinators. There were a lot of teams that switched coordinators, so there could be a lot of schemes that are totally different from the last time the Eagles played them. Um, and I don't expect the Giants to be uh, an easy sweep like they were last season. I expect the Giants to have a little bit of a, a chip on their shoulder with us because we kind of waxed them for three times. So at some point, you know that if we have to face them again a third time, it may or may not be that easy. Um, you know, there may be games that may seem like they're they're going to be easy, but they're not. Um, and you also have to consider we pray every day that the, every player stays healthy. If they can keep most of the crew um, healthy, including Jalen, then they're golden. You know, um, but I do also realize now as I get older as a fan, I realize a lot of that is on the player. You have to learn how to protect yourself better. And you ask, you have to also just think about every single time you have the ball, where your feet are, how you're holding the ball, how you land when you fall, how you take a tackle. You know, all that stuff, I'm sure, is stuff they go over, fundamentals, basically. Um, but needless to say, as this Hall of Fame game is on, it is great to see football. Congratulations to Darrell Revis. They're talking to now, Hall of Famer, Revis Island. Um, there are a lot of great players, too, that have left the game, whether it be health reasons, whether they've decided to step because of health reasons or whether or not they're just retiring like Brady. There are a lot of guys that are no longer playing now that, that a lot of these future players have perfect reasons to go back and research and watch tape on them to understand and then also learn that someone like a Kobe was one of a kind because of his mentality. It's not just something you say, it's not a t-shirt you wear. It really is something you, in, it's a lifestyle. And Kobe was not trying to do that for show. He was doing that for himself as a player to better him, better himself. And a lot of these players may hold Kobe to such a high regard because they think they can duplicate that. But a lot of the time you find out they cannot because they're not Kobe. But I think that that mentality needs to come across through the vets as well as through the rookies for every team this year that the game's not over until it's 0-0. You know, and I think a lot of the guys that are 
playing this year that are rookies may think they have it easy. We all we all know that our our new uh, our new uh, guys to cheer for from Georgia, from the Georgia Bulldog teams, Nolan and uh, oh my God, I'm blanking again. I'm getting old, y'all. Uh, Nolan and Jalen Carter, that and and Keila Keep. He look cute, cute, Ringo, cute. Wow. Anyway, so yeah, if you're enjoying me having moments of forgetfulness, just understand you're going to be 44 too. Okay, so shut up. Um, but I just think that also Keely Ringo, thank you. God. But at this point now, I do believe that watching those young guys are going to be evidence as to whether or not they're actually taking direction or allowing the momentum to just overwhelm them because we all know that by like week three or four they're gonna get tired hell by like by week they're gonna be so happy for the bye week because their bodies are gonna have to heal um but they're talking a lot of shit right now because it's training camp um i love that nolan wright is ready to knock the shit out of somebody but he has to understand that rookie fire can go out really quickly when the reality of game to game comes but granted when you got kids that have won championships in their college, you can't tell them nothing right now. But I just can imagine seeing this team go to the Super Bowl again with those excited kids already on the team. I mean, you're talking about a celebration that will be loud and proud, <laughs> literally, for like months on end. Like that's going to be probably the longest week of celebration if they go back and they win it. Because these dudes are already excited and nothing has happened yet. <laughs> so, but it's good to see the fire. It's good to see, obviously, the youth. You want that. You want that energy because it's going to definitely um, fire up Jason Kelsey, going to fire up Brandon Graham, going to fire up Fletcher Cox if they don't already have it. You know, and it's going to ignite some of those guys that don't ever get that much repetition, rep repetitions because they just don't get subbed in a lot. Um, special teamers, you know, hoping the special teams will show up a lot more this year. Um, but there's a lot of things that they can do. As much as it seems like the team is pretty flawless, they have a lot of stuff that they can tweak. And again, I, I do think it's good that Sirianni's already talking about your mentality and talking about being perfect, because to me, it's an indication that he knows that this is where I can lose you because you already think you've done everything. You've been there. We've been there but you can totally start tuning me out when you start getting lost and kind of think your own thing instead of thinking about team mentality, focusing on your, on your, on your mistakes and then what you can correct every day and get it right, you know, and, and just focus on rumors, social media, you know, stuff like that. Um, and a lot of things probably will come through as they go along the season, but um, you just pray that the same spirit that they had last year, and it was a silent build, which is good because that's what happened in the Super Bowl year in 2017. They literally week to week, game to game, started putting things together, and it became you could see like it was like a glow that was starting to happen around the whole team. And it's always good to see because you know that now they trust each other. So now everything that they every team that they play, every play that they make is coming so easily because now they're not thinking about it because it's almost just, it's, it's just nature. It's second nature. So I just hope to see that early with this team, but again, I'm not expecting it because every team has to gel. 
and you don't know how nerves play in with a game uh, with players that haven't been in the NFL yet work with the guys who um, are used to playing it, you know, and playing with nerves. So you have to consider that. And you also have to consider how the coaches, you know, sometimes coaches can kind of mess up a game too, because they can get a little too happy with calls. They can play, play, play uh, they can pull a player too early or, you know, it happens in ML, MLB all the time. Hell, our coach in the Phillies loves to pull players when they have pretty damn good uh, seventh, in, seventh inning stretch and decide to fuck it up and put another player in there. And the next thing you know, the whole game's going in extra innings. Damn it. But whatever. They just swept the Marlins. I'm not swept, but they took three out of four. So that's good. They're lucky. Um, and we don't know if the Phillies, honestly, are going to the playoffs. I can say that they're, they're a wild card. They will be playoffs. But I just... It, it doesn't feel a sure thing right now, and it's probably because of the Trey situation, but it's also because they've just lost games that they should have won. And I granted, I know they play more games within a series, but you have to know when you start seeing patterns of the way that they lose can easily sneak up and bite them on a game when it could actually cause them to be eliminated. So that's, I think, the worry for us Phillies fans is we don't want them to lose doing those silly, stupid mistakes of fundamentals you know, that they've been doing all regular season. So we just don't want to feel the same low we felt after the Sixers did what they did because we all feared it coming and it happened. But the blessing of the Sixers season was that Embiid uh, finally got his MVP. We all felt like he deserved it the previous season, but whatever. Um, I will wrap this now because it's been an hour and I'll probably chop most of this up. But I just want y'all to know that Birds of Feather is back um, I'm not always going to be sitting downstairs. It's just, it was a really nice breeze today. It wasn't hot. So I didn't feel like being upstairs in my room, but I will bring back my co-ed sooner than later. And, uh, we'll be able to discuss how practice looked to us, um, open practice. And it'll just be exciting to hopefully bump into my fellow Twitter folks, um, and Eagles fans and, um, should be a good time. It usually always is. I just hope I don't do anything, any more crazy stuff, like say anything like I'll marry you like I did to Dallas, but it's fine. I'm sure he's used to it at this point. Every player knows that we say stupid stuff as fans. That's why we're fans. Um, but yeah, so thanks for watching. Um, I thought I was going to talk about some other stuff, but I've already went over an hour and I don't want to, I don't want to have to tune out myself. <laughs> Thanks for watching if you were, and if not, it's cool. Birds of a Feather, AJ the Suburban Princess. Say my name again, AJ the Suburban Princess. We'll be back at you in a couple days. And if not, enjoy open practice. Go birds, we're almost there. September will be right around the corner, my birthday month. Let's go. Talk to y'all later. Bye-bye.